We'll head to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome Josh Graham of WSJS Radio. Find him on Twitter at Josh Graham Radio. Before we get into some college hoops, though, Josh, are you particularly interested in crumble cookies? Is that something that is a part of your world yet? See, I was hoping you were going to unironically and uncondescendingly ask me, you want a cookie? Because anybody who's ever said that sentence before means that in the sense of, oh, oh, you, you were able to park your car correctly. Oh, oh, look at you. You had a great day. You want a cookie? In this case, I actually genuinely do want a cookie because it does sound pretty good. I mean, Josh, no, this is not some insult. I'm genuinely asking you if you would like a cookie and if you like crumble cookies. This is it, You're right. So often it's sarcastic. It is wrapped in being an insult. No, I'm genuinely curious if you would want one. So maybe we can make it happen. One of these days, we will split some crumble cookies together. But right now, we'll have to settle for talking some college basketball. And a big win for North Carolina against Wake Forest. It might feel weird to say, but they needed it. After that loss to Pittsburgh, we know the problems they've suffered at the beginning of the season. Josh, what was your biggest takeaway um, from North Carolina after that win against the Deeks? Honestly, my takeaway was from the other end of the ledger. North Carolina is going to be an NCAA tournament team. You look at the way they put together their route of conference and the wins they had right down the street from you guys against Michigan and beating Ohio State. They're going to be fine, and we saw that what they're capable of last March. Wake Forest, on the other hand, missed out on the NCAA tournament, and the reason why was because they couldn't accrue enough quad one wins. Now, they went on the road and beat Wisconsin. They beat Virginia Tech. They beat Duke, so they're off to a good start, and they're still in a good position. But when Pete Nance goes out in the first two minutes of this game and Caleb Love doesn't hit his first three until about six, seven minutes left to go, there was a feeling in the building that Wake Forest is going to win this game and they probably would have if it wasn't for 15 turnovers that turned to 32 points off turnovers. Steve Forbes called them atomic bomb turnovers that quickly turned to layups or dunks. Wake Forest missed a golden opportunity with Nance being out of that game and going on the road in what certainly would have held up as a quad one win. But from the North Carolina end of it, you benefit from those turnovers. You win a game at home. And then tomorrow at a strange tip-off time, 11.30 a.m., you've got Notre Dame coming in, and Notre Dame's been down this year. North Carolina probably should be in good position to continue the hot streak at home. They're currently 7-0. Well, and, and Josh, I'm with you as far as them making the NCAA tournament. They're just too talented, and I imagine that absolutely would be happening to this team. But what is the likelihood of them reaching their ceiling at the end? I mean, do we just kind of put our palms up in the air and say, who knows with this team that has been so inconsistent? Or do you genuinely feel that they're going to figure it all out because of the run they had last year and because of the expectations that we had coming into this season? I'm so conflicted on it because we saw this movie a year ago with UCLA. UCLA, remember, barely made it into the tournament in 2021 made it to the Final Four before losing at the buzzer in the Final Four to Jalen Suggs hit that great half-court shot. A year later, they bring everybody back. Oh, this team's going to make the Final Four. They don't even win the Pac-12, and they get knocked out by North Carolina in the Sweet 16 where Caleb Love hit an iconic shot, one of the first of many iconic shots he had during that tournament run. So when I look at Carolina, I still see many of the same problems that we saw in the regular season from last year. And what's kind of frustrating with the way people talk about last season, it almost seems like everybody wants to take Carolina at their best from last year, 
but nobody wants to take them at their worst. And you can't do that when you consider the same dudes just weeks before they went on that tournament run got beat by 22 on the road at Wake Forest and beat by 28 by Miami. Now that feels like ancient history, but I honestly, those road problems that North Carolina's had hasn't really been figured out yet. North Carolina, 0-3 in true road games so far this year. Fortunately for them, coming back to your question of the tournament, you don't have to play on the road when you're in the NCAAs, and certainly they can get hot and go in that type of run again because you are talking about many of those same dudes. But I don't. I wouldn't bank on it just because the three-point shooting of Brady Manick, what he brought to last year's team, hasn't really been replicated yet, not with Pete Nance and not really with anybody else that makes me think they have the perimeter shooting to make that deep run again. Josh, Wes Bryant here. When you look at Wake Forest, though, last year this team was built around Alondas Williams and Jake LaRavia, but this season Tyree Appleby is the guy. Do you feel like that this is more of a team in the sum of its parts and not relying on the two guys that they did last year, or do you feel like this team is too Appleby-centric, and do you think that they have a chance uh, to make some noise? What's your assessment of this team? See, here's what's crazy to me, um, uh, uh, Wes, is that you look at what Steve did a year ago, Steve Forbes, that won him the ACC player, uh, Coach of the Year. It was bringing in two guys in the portal that were able to be all ACC caliber players. Alondis Williams, Player of the Year, as you mentioned, Jake LaRavia, who's doing a nice job with the Grizzlies right now, first-round draft pick that was second-team all ACC. He, Steve Forbes did it again in the portal by bringing in Ty Appleby, who's another ball-heavy point guard, top three in the ACC in scoring right now, near the top in assists. And Andrew Carr has been an impact player who might be second, third team, all ACC caliber when it's all said and done as well. But the part that Forbes doesn't get enough credit for, everybody focuses on what he's done in the portal, but doesn't really pay attention to the fact that we're seeing his first few class of high school players that he's brought in start to blossom into really good players like Cam Hildreth and Matthew Marsh, who both come from the UK and have turned into real guys in the league or in the ACC. Cam Hildreth already has a triple double this year. Really good defender. Matthew Marsh near the top in all of college basketball and field goal percentage. This team is more than just Ty Appleby, but Forbes does deserve a lot of credit for once again being able to identify guys who have a skill set that can fit into what he wants to do and elevate their play. Alondis Williams averaged six points a game at Oklahoma before arriving at Wake Forest and averaging 19 the year after. And you look at Ty Appleby, he averaged 10 a game at Florida last year, and right now is averaging 18 a game. Forbes has a knack for recognizing talent in the portal, and he's done it again for the second straight year. And then going up to Raleigh, you look at Coach Keats and the crew getting that big win over Duke. How much did you make of that? And do you feel like Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner are uh, arguably the best point guard? I mean, the best backcourt uh, in the ACC? It's it's either Baby T. There's there's probably three tandems that would be in that conversation: Baby T and uh, Jarkel and Raleigh, Caleb Love and R.J. Davis in North Carolina. And probably you'd look at Nigel Pack and uh, uh, Isaiah Wong at Miami. Those are the three tandems that stand out to me right now. But that was a must win for NC State. I know it's, you could look at their record and think, uh, it's a little bit of a leap to say that. That, was the, that might end up being the only quad one opportunity they get at home this year. 
since Virginia doesn't go there. And as of right now, as crazy as it sounds with Miami's record, they're not a quad one when they go to Raleigh. And they don't – Virginia Tech face right now North Carolina. We don't know for sure if that's going to be a quad one for a home game. That, that was an opportunity at home to get a quad one win, and they did it. And they came so close at other times in the non-conference when they went up against Kansas in the battle for Atlantis. And I guess it was a conference game, but it was in December. They went to Miami and were leading in the second half of it. They remind me a lot of Wake Forest last year where they had a week out of conference schedule. They've surprised some folks, particularly with the talent in their backcourt, of putting up some wins and having a really good record. But it's going to be defined. They're going to be defined by what they do in quad one settings. And Wednesday night was their first quad one win. They needed to get it. So now they're still in position. They're still in the hunt to potentially be an at-large team. Josh, just real quickly before we get you out of here, your concern level over Duke after the loss to NC State, what is it? Not not particularly high. That's going to happen with a first-year coach. I, I referenced Carolina last year and Hubert's first season where you had the blowout 30-point loss against Kentucky. You had the games in, in Winston-Salem and in Miami. It, winning on the road is hard. It's a cliche that people say, but it's a cliche because it's true. And sometimes it's hard to stop the bleeding, particularly when you have really young teams. It's a difficult thing when you're a freshman and you miss out a lot on the offseason and the ramp-up time leading up to a year. We saw it with Walker Kessler at Carolina a few years ago who missed a lot of the preseason and then he starts to blossom when February and March roll around. We saw it with uh, Jason Tatum at Duke, who took a little bit of time to figure things out because he missed some practice. We saw it last year with A.J. Griffin at Duke. And with Tariq Whitehead, he broke his hand in February, or excuse me, in August, and didn't come back until November. And I think the ramp up for him is going to be an interesting thing, how quickly he could get up to speed it's crazy to say that in January, but that is where we're at. Can he have enough ramp up to reach his potential by the end of the year? That's a big question. And Derek Lassie missed some time in the preseason, too. So those two freshmen coalescing together and starting to ramp up that to where they're hopefully playing their best basketball when March rolls around, that's what you're hoping for for Duke. But right now, I don't think it's a huge concern. They have enough talent where they can get by. They're going to be in the tournament. They're going to be a pretty high seed. But if they want to be a national title contender, those two need to be playing their best basketball. And right now, they're not very close. I just opened up the crumble box. I expected like five cookies. And there's like 12 or 13 individually wrapped. It's absolutely ridiculous. We have to go to break. But Josh, that was excellent. We appreciate you joining us. Everybody follow him on Twitter at Josh Graham Radio. And you can find him on WSJS. Josh, thanks so much once again, man. Really appreciate it. I'm going to be texting Jeff immediately to send me some crumble cookies. He might just, yeah, he might, he might just break in the studio and hand them to you. That's what happened to us. So good luck with all of that once again. (laughs)